listening to Real Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Muna. And I'm your host, Clifford. Let's get into it. Hey, Cliff, how's it going? I'm good. Hey, Muna, how's it going? Good, good, man. Happy Tuesday, um, Happy Tuesday, yeah, it's been good. How's your week been thus far? Productive. Quite busy, and it's only Tuesday. It's mad. Very busy. But we're here. We've got business to do. It's episode three of Real Talk Podcast, and we'll be introducing some dilemmas. Are you ready? Dilemmas! Get into it. Dilemmas. So, let's let's hear one. I hear you've got a a few up your sleeves. So, if you could read the first one. Okay, so the first one is from Anonymous, and they basically say, you're at your best friend's wedding, just an hour before the ceremony starts. Um, earlier that day, you came across the definitive proof that your best friend's spouse is having an affair with the best man. So, and you catch them sneaking out of a room together, looking disheveled. Cheating. Straight up! <laughs> if you tell your friend about the affair, the day will be ruined, but you don't want them to marry a cheater, so what do you do? You're going to have to tell your friend. You have to be honest, because you know that something went down, and for you to not be, nah, man, it will be... Let me just summarise it. These are your two choices. You tell your best friend the day's going to be ruined. Um, it's better one day's ruined than her entire life. Look at it that way. Or, second option, say nothing. Your job's to be supportive and participate in your friend's happiness. So, which is it going to be? Option number one. Rather her be unhappy, the f- you know, on one day, even though I know it's going to be the most important day of her life, but at least she would have known the situation, she didn't get into it, and then, at, you know, continue her life again. Well, what is definitive proof, though, really? Did you, not, did you not just say both of them came out? They came out of a room looking disheveled. Anything could have happened. Yeah, but, okay, what would your... Okay, what, what would you say? Be supportive. <laughs> There's no other two either. If I know my two friends are getting married, <laughs> I know that there's not going to be any foul play there. They're getting married. It's their wedding day. So I, I wouldn't doubt them. Like, there'll be an explanation for it. You could even say, oh, what happened in there? But I mean... Okay. I mean, I, I mm, nah, I'm, I'm the person that will be like, honey, I've got to tell you something, can it? About your soon-to-be man, soon-to-be ex-man. No, man. But why would you be at the wedding if you're not supportive of the union? Well, obviously, originally, you would be supportive of it, but then you're saying the person witnessed them both come out looking a bit if. Unless you are 100%... Run, you know, in your mind. Then say nothing, say less. Unless you are 100, 200% sure. Okay, let's, let's say, hypothetically, the person that saw them um, was 100% sure... They had like facts or whatever evidence. Would you go tell your friend that's getting married, or would you be? Supportive? I have to tell them. But if I'm not 200 percent sure, I'm not saying nothing. But when you feel like, I mean, for me personally, I I just feel a type of way like there's like a weight, like a heavy weight on my shoulders. Do you know what I mean? It's like, don't you think it'll be partially your responsibility as a friend as well? If I was 200 percent sure. Yeah. I don't want to ruin nobody's wedding, though. It's a lot of time, money, preparation. 
and you're just going to come up in there so that they're going to come over and be like, so if anyone has any reason to object to this wedding, please speak now. And you're going to be like, I object. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> well, it's, it's said in there, isn't it? So wouldn't you? But knowing you, you said, unless you're not 200% sure and you don't have the head of evidence, you wouldn't. I don't have an honest chat with them. I know best friends would be like, um, so this morning I thought I saw this, but I'm not 100%. Yeah. Make of it what you will. But like, this is your day. So I'm just letting you know, obviously, be one of your best friends. I wouldn't mention anything if I thought it was just a minor thing and that it could be open to interpretation. But what I saw is what I saw. So I'm just letting you know. I'll tell my friend, as much as it's going to hurt, I, I have to be honest and be like, look, I saw something, it looked weird. It didn't, it didn't sit right with me. Um, I don't want to ruin the biggest night of your life, but I feel like this is something you need to know before you jump into your marriage. A, B and C, speak to your guy. That's your final answer? Yeah, because what if supposedly yeah, she finds out so the lady finds out, and she knows that you knew, and you didn't say anything. I told you, if I 200% uh, knew, then I have to pull them to one side and say, like, this is what it is. This is what I've seen. So I'm sorry I don't mean to ruin your day, but just letting you know. You might want to address this before you decide to get married. So you ready for the second dilemma? Go on. Close to home. So you have a job as a network administrator for a company that also employs your best friend's husband. One day, your best friend's husband sends you a message asking you to release an email from quarantine. This requires you to open the email, at which point you discover it's correspondence between this guy and his secret lover. After releasing the email, you find yourself in a pickle. Your instinct is to tell your best friend about his husband's infidelity but divulging the contents of the company email is against company policy and you could lose your job. Oh, so shit! Blame that your best friend found out about his cheating husband through a company email, all trails will inevitably lead to you as the leak. Do you tell him about the indiscretion? See, the thing is, if I tell him, I'm likely to lose my job. But then if I don't, the secret is still there, right? As in, oh, <laughs> this is why they call it a dilemma. <laughs> I would have to find a way to say it without releasing any client. Um, it will come back to you. That NDA, that client confidentiality, will come back to you. And you know your friend's temperament. Once they, t they go in and do the investigation, it will come back to you. because It will definitely come back to you 100%. Yeah. So I'm effed either way, basically. If yeah. I open my mouth... Number one, you're loyal to your best friend and that eclipses the company policy. Or number two, um, it's really bad that your friend's got to cheat your husband, but you can't lose securing a bag and losing your job. So which one is it going to be? Does my friend work in the same company, you said, right? No. No, they don't? No. Okay, I'll have to find... Like, I'll be like to my friend, look, I've got some serious... Serious information to tell you, but you yeah, need to guarantee me right you. now you can give me a job. Nah, yeah, what the fuck? What's that about? 
I was like, listen, I'm going to lose my job because of this. And it involves someone dear to you. I need, I, I need a guarantee that I'll, I'll land another job. And if it's, if it's, you know, like works in my favor, whereas my friend would be like, yeah, cool. You start on Monday. All right, all right, bam. This is what I know. But prior to that, I would have already written my notice period. <laughs> I would have said, uh, effective immediately. <laughs> I've left the company so that I don't, pandemic, I mean, so that they don't sue me for any kind of information that I may have let slip. <laughs> what would you do? I'm keeping my job. I'm sorry. <laughs> my job even if it's the way you can get another job like if it's guaranteed my job i'm not getting involved everything that happens in darkness will come to light they'll see it eventually (laughs) maybe you could try and be like okay if you um if you go here um, or if we can go here for coffee you might see it but i'm sure if it's if it's that if it's that messy that you're seeing it's gonna come out sooner or later yeah nah now, <laughs> up the levels a bit. What if it was your sister's man? Hold on. If it was my sister's guy doing those shenanigans, mm-hmm. I'll beat him up, mate. You're working at the same workplace. I'll beat him up and proudly tell her, I don't care if I lose my job. I'll be like, you have the nerve to cheat on my sister. Nah, that, that wouldn't fly. When it's family, it's different, do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's completely like you just, you, you feel you feel different because it's someone close to home. It's your immediate family. Not to say that you're, you know, not to say that friends can't be, but it's a whole nother level when it's family. So for you to disrespect my fa- my family, bye, khalas, you are gone. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if it, if it was... Um... No question, I'll tell them I'll probably end up losing my job. Just <laughs> it's a flip. Yeah, like I said, it's it's different. It's a different reaction when it's an immediate family member. You just have that, you know, that sense of feeling that you have to be protective. Like you have to protect your family, whatever mm. you do, whatever situation could occur. You just have to ride with the wind. Yeah, bloody hell, these dilemmas are mad. Jeez, I can't get over that one. <laughs> Are you ready for the next one? Go on. Okay. Get into this. You get involved in a two-car crash on your way to work one morning. <laughs> Let me rephrase that again. Let me start this again. Two. You get involved in a two-car crash on your way to work one morning in which you accidentally hit and kill a pedestrian. As you get out of the car, you're intercepted by a tearful woman who seems to think she hit and killed the pedestrian. You're not sure why she thinks she's hit the person, but she is convinced. There's only you, the woman, and the person you hit on the road. There are no witnesses. You know that whoever is deemed responsible will probably be sent to jail. So what do you do? Do I be the honest and good person and own up to my mistake and hopefully it not go down the route of going to jail? Or if it is going to jail, then it will be for like a very reduced time. Or this person that you mentioned, are they older? I mean, they they just think it's them, as in mm-hmm. they, they did it. You're in a two-car crash, so it's you and the other person there. And then someone, like the pedestrians, is laying on the pavement. So you've hit another car, and they are adamant that they've killed the person. But I know that I killed the person. 
You think? But I know it was my car, basically. Yeah. yeah. I'm letting the person take the rap. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> if they're adamant that they did it, yo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is that deep? That's deep. Hey, you just said it was a two-car crash, so, you know, that person could have been the one that actually killed them. It may have not been my car. <laughs> Even though my car has a dent, it could, you know, it could have potentially been them. But then you start overthinking about your your morale, um, how you're brought up, and like the sense of right and wrong. And then gradually, I would have to own up to it. So you're gonna open up for it now, so, will it? For the the instant reaction would be hold my tongue, don't say anything. But you know, you'll feel guilty deep down because. If I'm 100% sure that I did it, then I'll own up to it. But if it's a 50-50 chance that it could have been the other car, like the other car owner, then I'm not going to willingly say it was me. Mm. I think this one's, I think, kind of the answer. I be quiet, and then I get myself a good lawyer. And then, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I'll probably get Harvey. Harvey Specter from Suits. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get me out of that in no time, bro. <laughs> I don't even know who can get me out of that one, bro. Um, I know who. Who? Viola Davis from Annalise How to Get Away. Eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught Annalise. <laughs> I caught Annalise one time. How to get away with murder? Because <laughs> essentially, that's what it is, right? You need to find a way to get away. You know, away from what you did. I might even need to call Olivia Pope as well. I need like, because you know she's got it handled like that. I love the way she says that. It's handled. I'm like, wow. Nah, both of them together. Fierce. Fierce women. I love it. So you ready for the next one? This one's a bit more. So your family's vocation alone on a private stretch of beach with no lifeguard. Your daughter and your niece, both seven, are best friends and eager to get into the water. You caution them to wait until the water calms down some, but they defy you and sneak away anyway. You see, you soon hear screams of distress and find them both being caught in a strong current. You are the only strong swimmer um, strong enough to save them, but you can only save one at a time. Your niece is a very poor swimmer and likely won't make it much longer. Your daughter is a strong swimmer, but only has 50% chance of holding on it long enough for you to come back to her. Who do you say first? I mean, you would save your own, wouldn't you? But mm. on the basis of what you've said, because my niece is a poor swimmer than my daughter, I'll quickly save her, then go back to my daughter. Or what if you lose your daughter forever? Then that's something that I'll have to live up to for the rest of my life. But I'm just trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic about this. On the basis of what you've just said, you've said that my niece is a poor swimmer, whereas my daughter is much stronger. Even though she has a 50% chance, she also has a 50% to hold on. Do you know what I mean? Like, she can still hold on and wait for mummy to get to her to swim away. Whereas my poor niece, if I didn't take her first, she'll probably drown. No, not probably. She would Mm. drown. But then it's, it's different when they say it's your own, isn't it? Like, it's my daughter. She's come from my room. I'm going to stick with that. I'm, I'm going to stick with what I said. Your daughter or your niece? Who are you saving? 
I'm saving them both. I'm just doing niece daughter. Huh? Niece, uh, niece daughter, yeah. Yeah, on the basis of what you've just said, the statistics that you've said, in, in terms of niece being a poorer swimmer than my girl. Yeah, I would say niece daughter. Because you know your you know your child, you know their ability. I, I don't know if, if they're a trained strong, strong stronger swimmer, then there's more likelihood of them both living. Yeah, I mean I would have taught my daughter I'd be like, be strong girl, I'm coming back for you. You know your niece can't swim, even though I've done told her already you need to go to these lessons. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, ma'am. These, these dilemmas are very, very interesting indeed. And it just, it just makes you think like outside of the box because obviously when it's happening there and then, you're not going to think about all of this. Do you know what I mean? Running through your head. Like you're either going to be in a situation of complete like just being still frozen, like, damn, this has happened. What do I do? Or um, it can be a complete 180 where you've got your head screwed on, light bulb moment bam, A, B, and C, you've got it panned. But it's, it's really weird, do you know what I mean? Depending on, you will only know once you're in these kind of situations. Predicaments. There's another one. So you're a doctor at a top hospital. You've got six gravely ill patients, five of whom are in urgent need of organ transplants. You can't help them, though, because there are no available organs that can be used to save their lives. But the sixth patient, however will die without um, a particular medication. And if she dies, you'll be able to save the other patient's lives by using their organs because patient six is an organ donor. So what do you do? So patient six is a, an organ, organ donor. Who's Obviously. ill, but needs a particular medication to survive. And then the five other patients will need organ transplants, but there's no organs left. And what? And so without those organ transplant, I'm, I'm assuming they'll all die, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then in a nutshell, would you say five or would you save the one? Mm -hmm. You'd have to save more, wouldn't you? But then again, who am I playing God? Like, I don't mm -hmm. have, you know. I'm sorry, I'm not... my duty of care is to the patients that I can save. If there's no organs available, I can't fix it so that. I commit manslaughter, basically. I'm killing one person to save the rest. I have to just try and keep them all in as best condition as I can. Yeah, I mean, you obviously do If one person best. needs the medication, then that's great. But, I mean, if there's no organs left, there's no organs. I don't know if that, that's the ethical way to do it. I think they literally be killing someone to save another five people. Yeah, but I can't, I can't judge again, that. It depends again. I just, I think that'll be my final call because it gets convoluted when you start to think what's everyone's medical history been like before their um, organs failed. Maybe someone had like uh, alcohol addiction, so they ruined their own liver, which is different to say someone born with a birth defect who's been trying to be healthy their whole life but needs that transplant. So... <laughs> I wouldn't know which to do. I would like to think, I would say. I would save. like to be able to save everyone. But as mm -hmm. you said, it's like I, I wouldn't be able to, to do that. Risk one person's life for the sake of five. Like, I'm not God. Like, it, it's literally, if it's your time, it's your time. 
Exactly. You know, there's so much that a surgeon, a doctor can do. Mm -hmm. And it would be inappropriate for you to ask patient six who's a organ donor if they'll be willing to die to save five people. It's just not something. Can you imagine that conversation? (laughs) Can you imagine that? You're going to the hospital to get your routine medication. They're like, oh, by the way, you're an organ donor. And there's five people who would like your organs while you're alive. So would you mind just like dying so that some of people can be saved? Do you mind? Is that is that okay? Can't do much. Nah man. That's just yeah. Mad. Mad, mad, mad. Do you have any dilemmas? So I have one. Mm-hmm. Um and it's I'll just get into it. Could an open marriage be healthy? I've been married 30 years and have raised five beautiful children. I've been an empty nester for the past two years when my youngest moved out. My husband and I used to have sex once a week or so. It then just stopped and we haven't had sex in nearly six months. I suspected he might have been having an affair. I confronted him and he denied it at first, but then admitted he was seeing a much younger woman. I was deeply hurt and angry at first. He told me she would be willing to be with both of us and could have an open marriage. I never thought in a million years I would participate in such an arrangement, but finally agreed. What are your thoughts? How did it go? Did she enjoy it? Did she not enjoy it? But personally, I think it should just be a no. What is the point of being married if it's going to be open? Like, I don't know. I just don't see a point. You might as well get a divorce. Where it's just like, are you so at a point where you're so insecure that someone's going to have an affair and then say that you can join in too as an afterthought without consulting you beforehand? I think that's a, it's a slap in the face. Like, he openly said, yeah, I'm having an affair. And then comes back going, oh, yeah, she's agreed to have an open marriage with us. That's, that's just so disrespectful, in, in, in my opinion. It's like you got caught, just do with it with being caught. But then you're, you've come back saying, I'm still going to continue with her. You have the option to join if you want, is basically what I'm getting from it. And the other option is divorce and move out. And I guess if you're not fulfilled in a marriage, then what is the point of continuing in it? Maybe, and I know this sounds so cliche. They didn't consider divorce because they don't want to be like, they don't want to be the type of parents that break a home. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How old are the kids now? It doesn't say. Mm-hmm. They don't mention it. It's just if both parties are happy, then, you know, I guess enjoy your open marriage. But if one person doesn't want to be an open marriage, then they shouldn't by force be an open marriage. They should feel that they're enough in their marriage. And if they don't feel that way and that are love, what is the point of continuing in that marriage? Unless it's for, like, economic reasons and it's just like, okay, reduce costs, we know each other. I don't feel I can get anybody else. I'm just going to stay in this marriage. But it just means that you're going to be putting yourself in harm's way because there's all of this emotional abuse but you're just not going to be feeling confident in yourself because... You're in an open marriage and you're the last to know. I just feel like um, definitely it just puts, you know, the whole 
the whole meaning and symbol behind marriage, like it just kind of wipes it away. Like that marriage is meant to be sacred between two people. And it's just for you to go ahead and say, yeah, you can have an open marriage. You don't really care for your marriage to begin with then. Potentially, you may have done in the beginning, but then it died down. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the prerequisites would be for an open marriage. Do you have to be a certain status and class level for an open marriage to work? Maybe it's just not generic or in some certain people's um, grasp or concept because it's not normal in like a working class marriage. But maybe you might find in terms of like career driven couples where it might be more acceptable or they might be more open-minded to entertain the idea of an open marriage because attitudes and ideas are changing so it might mess it might work for some couples but not for every but personally for me nah how about you no i i would not be open to an open marriage at all no, we're not dating. We're going backwards. It's like, so, nah, it's just make it make sense. Exactly, exactly. The whole point of me committing to this marriage is because I'm I'm ready for that commitment. I'm not just going to open it up to invite someone in because you're having relations with them. Go on yeah, then. Stop. This is it. Like, we can just, you know, we can be, we can still communicate. We could, you know look after the kids but if the marriage isn't working the marriage isn't working and that's on you because you want to have an open marriage or basically have an affair and then try and rebrand it after but the fact that she was tempted and she was just like yeah i'm actually tempted in doing it i'm like but hey each to their own right she wants to try it she can try it but they'll probably come back and slap her in her face that's what i'm saying do you want to be complicit and it's just like where does it where does it stop where are the boundaries? Like the lines, the like, the lines have been crossed. It's like once you've been disrespected in such a way, how do you get your respect back? Okay, so here's another one. You've been on the cruise for two days when there's an accident that forces everyone on board to abandon the ship. During evacuation, one of the boats is damaged, leaving it with a hole that fills it with water. You figure that with ten people in the boat, you can keep the boat afloat by having nine people scoop the filling water out by hand for 10 minutes while the 10th person rests. After that person's 10-minute rest, he or she will get back to work while the other person rests, and so on. This should keep the boat from sinking long enough for the rescue team to find you as long as it happens within five hours. You're taking your first break where you notice your best friend in a sound lifeboat with only nine people in it, and he beckons you to swim over to join them. So you won't have to be bailing, um, like bailing out water. If you leave the people in the sinking boat, they will only be able to stay afloat for two hours instead of five hours, decreasing their chance of being rescued, but securing yours. What do you do? Hold up, hold up. So there's. So basically, do you stay in your boat and hope that you're all rescued in five hours' time before the boat sinks and you all drown? Or do you jump ship and join your friend in his boat and hope that the others are rescued within two hours? I don't know. Like, if I say what I'm thinking, am I, am I, yeah, a, bad, yeah. am I a bad person for thinking it? I'll what? jump on my friend's boat, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Would you not do the same then, I take it? <laughs> Would mm. you wait five hours with those nine individual people? Or you knowingly, your friend has a boat that you can just hop on. Let's be real. Everyone's going to hop. Everyone's going to hop on the thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, you Everyone, can't... Everyone's going to hop on the thing now. <laughs> savage, but everyone's going to hop on. <laughs> Like, they'll see, see. Do you know what it'll be? It'll be a domino effect. They'll see me and then they'll be like, no, hold up. And then you'll see people in turn like jump in as well. And before you know it, the boat is full. <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't know how well it will float if it's got a hole in it, but maybe uh, like in the Titanic, you know, once it's overturned, maybe the people can hold on to it and be in the water. It depends on the temperature of the water and so many different factors, but. I know for a fact if there's going to be a spare space on another boat, come on now. <laughs> Let's be real. We're going to be taking that space on that boat now. For real? Like, so, I don't even feel bad about it. I'm, not, I'm jumping on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's what it is. That's life. You've got an opportunity that opens up for you. So, you know, someone's got to lift to tell the tale. Exactly. As it sounds. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just in the universe, if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. But I mean, if you have been given an opportunity to live and choose life without directly having to sabotage or hinder someone else, then you should do it. I think it's been it's been definitely something to think about, all of these dynamics, because, you know, I'm quite fortunate that none of this has happened to me. But it just, it makes you think about what people go through on a daily basis, like, all, all of these like situations that that happens you know how do they handle it and what would you do what would you do in that position as well like the the whole situation about being in a in a car crash and it's just i swear it's mad like i've yeah i've never been in a car crash and you know god forbid that i'm mm. never in one but it's like that's that dilemma there like really really like made me think like wow do i keep quiet and just let the person roll with it <laughs> savage <laughs> you said the same thing you said you'll be quiet and get yourself a good lawyer <laughs> yeah, I, would. I would because that's the best thing to do yeah for real for real well, guys, if there's any more dilemmas, any um, situationships or anything that you guys want to talk about, give us a holler, direct message us, and we will we'll tell you our thoughts. Um, you know where to find us. It's at Real Talk Podcast underscore three times. That's at Real Talk Podcast underscore three times. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode three of Real Talk Podcast. I have been Clifford. I've been Mooner. All right, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye, guys. We're out. Bye.